0: Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. morning. This is, of course, Sunday morning, May 9th. All over North America, perfectly polished pastors will be pulling out their tired, old Mother's Day messages. (laughs) They'll be filled with political poignance and be at the direction that comes from things like focus groups, Mm. media consultants, Mm. and pollsters, Because their sole goal is to
1: maximize their appeal to their carnal congregations. Oh, man. Hey, but in this house, in this house, we believe that our mothers are best served by the actual leading of the spirit of God into transformation. Oh, yeah. That's right. Come on. He has been leading our church through a series of remembers and a series of reflections.
2: We needed to wrestle with our own areas of accommodation. Isn't that true, church? You know, the kind of things that we expect others to work around so that we are not personally inconvenienced (laughs) with having to work through our own difficulties.
0: That hurts, pastor. That hurts. Well, it's just because it's true.
2: The Lord began to focus us on the need for ongoing transformation as a lifestyle rather than a one-time event In the introduction to these series with the message called Committed on Wednesday, April 21st. Were you guys moved to action by this message? Then Sunday, April
0: 25th, we moved into a message titled Remember. And because we didn't know what else to say, step one, like uno. (laughs) I remember the day that I stood in the presence of the Lord for the very first time a little bit like Jacob in Genesis 28. He was there all along. I was just completely unaware of his presence. <laughs> but when he made me aware, it's a lot like John 1 Jesus Christ made him known. He made him knowable to me. This was the beginning. Somebody say a beginning. A beginning. Of life that is really life.
1: Hey, I remember I remember the day I stood in the Lord's presence for the very first time. It was the beginning of what Psalm 89 15 says. I was learning to acclaim him walking in the light of his presence. It is also when I began the process of becoming more God conscious than self conscious. That's true. Very much like Moses did in Exodus chapter three. You guys remember that? I began learning that it was not as much about who I am because that's always transforming it was more about who God is yeah that fact never changes
2: come on now I remember the day that I stood in the Lord's presence for the very first time it's the first time that I ever understood the first time that I became aware that he would always be leading me always be helping me always teaching me just like Moses in Exodus chapter 4 Just like the Lord said to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Church, this is the beginning of my transformation into a secure son. Did that message impact the way that you live as a son of God? Yes. Wednesday, April 25th,
0: the Lord led us into our reflection series. It was titled Reflection on the Day You Stood in His Presence. Man, as I reflected back on that first day that I stood in the Lord's presence, I could no longer see myself as the dead dog that I had always been. I'd been given new sonship status. I'm talking about throwing my feet up on the table and ask for more mashed potatoes kind of status. Like Mephibosheth in 2
1: Samuel 9,
0: I was at the king's table, (laughs) y'all.
1: Oh, man, as I reflected... On the day I first stood in the Lord's presence there, being at the king's table, I realized my status had changed on day one. But living in his presence was going to cause me to grow in my security as a son. I was seated on day one, but intended to grow in
2: every day after that. Now. As I reflected on the day I first stood in the Lord's presence, not only was I growing, but I was gaining ground. I was gaining confidence. Yeah, I was gaining security. <laughs> I was even gaining my own sons. I was now able to govern my life and to govern my family. I was in the process of being transformed into what my father, the king, is. That's oh, a yeah. serious kind of yeah. transformation. Come on now. Did that message cause you to engage the text differently regarding your relationship with continual transformation? Yes. Sunday, May 2nd we took our second step
0: into the Remember Secure Sun series with a message cleverly titled, Remember Step Two. <laughs> As in the sequel, <laughs> do. <laughs> I remember that I was a slave, but he brought me out of there. I mean, like, out of there. That was the day I was let out of the cage. But my initial freedom... That was not really the point. The point was the life I would lead outside of the cage. See, my father, he set me free for freedom. The life after the cage is the point. Just as Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that he set me free.
1: Isn't that good news? That's great news. Look, I remember that I also was a slave, and he brought me out of there. I used to be completely powerless and without choice, just like Romans 5 says. But now, oh, now I have a choice. As part of my uh, vocational training for this new life that uh, I was completely, utterly unprepared for. Your weekly halfway house. (laughs) Working wonders. I could now choose to remember in 70 sabbaths a year put this together right this is one in every five days and even spaced out in 52 sabbaths that happen the same time every single week how about that my security as a son grows every time i remember what he's done and is still doing for me
2: Church, I remember that I was a slave, but he brought me out of there. He heard my initial cry, and this was not a one-time transaction. See, we were now in a relationship. An ongoing transformation was taking place. Like Psalm 81 says, every time I opened my mouth, he began to fill it. I had experienced the transition to freedom, but I was now beginning to walk in the transformation of becoming what he is. Church, did that message demand a change in the way you view salvation as a journey? Yeah. Wednesday,
0: Cinco de Mayo. We continued in our reflection series. Reflection on being brought out. In my new status as a son, reflecting on what I used to be, I never wanted to be enslaved and overcome again. Peter warned us about this in his second letter. And the thought of being a captive to anything was so abhorrent that all I wanted to do was cling to the one who gave me freedom in the first place.
1: Amen. Amen to that. In my new status as a son, reflecting on what I used to be, he's now given me more determination than ever to use my freedom for transformation rather than for sin. That's exactly what Galatians 5
2: says. In my new status as a son, reflecting on what I used to be, I realized that I am woefully ill-equipped for this new outside world. So I am, in fact, free, but I never want to be free from my master. Like Exodus 21, I have chosen to become his lifetime servant, and he is absolutely daily securing me as a son. Church, did that message demand a new response in your lifetime journey of salvation?
0: We've now arrived at remember step three, the trilogy, the trilogy, the (laughs) return, the three amigos, the trifecta. Today, you're going to want to turn your Bibles. Y'all ready? Like you got a Bible? You want to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 7 and look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be here all day. I don't know whether your neighbor was telling the truth or not, but I am. (laughs) Deuteronomy 7, 17. You may say to yourself, These nations are stronger than we are. That's right. These nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? but do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. So this text is what we're going to be engaging with this morning. And it, it is the stage of the Remember series that we are at in our preaching. But it's also the stage that we're at in our transformation into becoming secure sons. Oh, amen. Now the first thing that should be highlighted to you. You ready for it? It's verse 17. Can you scroll back to 17? These nations are stronger than we are. How? They're stronger than we are. How? Don't you feel like that? They're stronger. How, God, are we going to do it? Every son is going to come to challenges subsequent to salvation. And they all feel bigger than you. Salvation was birth. What follows is maturing. What follows is ever growing challenges in your journey of transformation because you're called to become what your father is. Amen. These uh, bigger than you problems, they allow you to grow, they allow you to gain ground. Come on. They allow you to see the need to be transformed further. Yeah. Mm.
1: All right. Are you facing bigger-than-you problems right now. Raise your hand if you are facing bigger-than-you problems right now. Keep them up. I'm just scanning. All right, you can put your hands down. Now, I want you to say something with me. I want you to say, How? How? Now we're being truthful in the house of God. And I'm so glad you've asked this question of how. In fact, the text tells us specifically how. Let's read verse 18. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Look, the answer to how? Perfect pitch. Got it. Is to remember well what the Lord your God has done. This will keep you from giving in to fear. This will continue the process of transforming you into the secure son that the Father
2: intends for you to be. Come on now. Somebody say, remember well. Ooh, remember wow. well. What a fantastic phrase in the Hebrew, remember well. It is the words in Hebrew, zakar, zakar. In
0: Texas English, it's the zakari family.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: Zakar,
0: zakar.
2: This literally means, remember, remember. Remember, remember. Come on now, church. Do you want to know how yeah. Yeah. to defeat the enemy he felt that one i did i think i pulled something but it's all right <laughs> for you it's worth it if you want to know how to defeat the enemy yeah. that is bigger yes. than you
1: yes.
2: the problems that are bigger than you the answer is to remember remember it's go. almost it as is. if God has already given us two previous things to remember. He's already given us a step one and a step two to prepare you for this trilogy, this trifecta of remembering. Like any good father, he is training his sons on how to be able to walk in security. So you can see on this slide.
0: Our first step was to remember the day we stood in the Lord's presence. These are simply the rememberings in the order that they appeared, directed by God in the book of Deuteronomy. See, step one on day one was our birth, the first day that we stood in the presence of the Lord. Church, we've been talking about this for weeks, and you've been doing your homework for that whole time on this subject, right? We ask you to identify what you felt in his presence. We wanted you to relive it, to retell it. For God's sake, maybe even revive it. When I did this, this is what it looked like. I'm showing you my homework. Hopefully. Working on show, I'll tell you about my homework. In his presence, he gave me purpose. In his presence, he gave me significance. In his presence, he gave me shalom. In his presence, he gave me freedom. In his presence, he gave me power over my nature. In his presence, he gave me his love. In his presence, he included me in his kingdom. Now, keep this, and maybe more importantly, your list from your homework in the forefront of your mind As we add our second zakar, this is the first remember, the first zakar. But the scripture says, zakar, zakar, remember well. Here is the second slide. This was from Deuteronomy 5. After remembering his presence, then and only then, you remember that you were a slave and he brought you out. So your homework has been, what did your slavery feel like? What was the agony of the old life? What what was that like? Not what did you do? What did it feel like? You've been working on that homework for seven days. Anybody been doing their homework? When you remember this step properly, you have a growing remembrance, a remembering well, a zakar zakar that looks something like this. In his presence, he gave me purpose Instead of the despair that I felt under Pharaoh. In his presence, he gave me significance. Instead of the futility I had in Egypt. In his presence, he gave me shalom. Instead of the internal rage I had in Pharaoh's dominion. In his presence, he gave me freedom. Instead of feeling trapped in Egypt. In his presence, he gave me power over my nature. Instead of the enslavement to it I had under Pharaoh. In his presence, he gave me his love. Instead of feelings of unworthiness that dominated my time in Egypt. In his presence, he gave me his kingdom. Instead of the unending destruction and self-loathing of my time in Pharaoh's service.
1: Look, in light of the first two remembers, let's... Approach the text that we began with. Deuteronomy 7:17. 7, you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all peoples you now fear. The point of it is is this. When you're facing giant problems, when you need uh, transformation because of the giants, or you need uh, a, a giant deliverance, we are commanded to remember what he has already done. But let's notice something even further in verse 19 again verse 19 starts with the word you everyone say you You. and by you we mean you (laughs) so are we preaching to you this morning yes literally we're preaching to you you saw with your own eyes the great trials the signs and wonders the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the lord your god brought you out the lord Your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. The first remember and the second remember are what you saw with your own eyes. They are the ways the Lord your God brought you out of there. When I do this, my trust and my security as a son, it grows. This is what it looks like for me personally. And I want to show you what my homework looks like as we put up this next slide. In his presence, he gave me wholeness instead of the hollowness underneath Pharaoh. In his presence, he gave me complete security instead of feeling all alone and abandoned. In his presence, he gave me liberation instead of impending judgment that was in Egypt. In his presence, he gave me tangible power instead of desperation. In his presence, he gave me the ability To be face-to-face with the living God instead of shameful hiding from him. In his presence, he gave me a new nature instead of slavery to my own desires. In his presence, he gave me a clean conscience instead of a mind of chaos.
2: As I hear my brothers recounting their own birthing into the kingdom, their own beginnings in the journey that is in fact salvation, As I hear the beginnings of their sonship, I can't help but remember my own. Now we want you to catch something here, church. As your pastors, we are demonstrating something for you. We're sharing our own birthing stories into the kingdom when we started as sons. We're exposing to you the very things that that we were slaves to and that we were coming out of. It's Mother's Day. This is
0: the day we crowned. But it wasn't our crowning achievement.
2: <laughs> the point of us doing this for you, and I've just seen it, and I, I, I appreciate how, what a good group of students that you are. I saw people taking pictures of the slides on the screen. Now, if you're doing that to help you with the format, praise God, because we want you to get it right. Yeah. But these slides are our testimony. This is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. This is what God did for me. Yeah. See, your list is designed to be powerful as you remember Remember these two steps. Because it's your list. Amen. It's got to be your testimony that you're working on. We are helping you in this. You're birthing into sonship. See, because when I engage with these steps, this is what it looks like for me personally. I will now show you my homework. In his presence, he gave me the status of a chosen son instead of the worthlessness that I was a slave to. In his presence, he gave me shalom instead of the constant, unending striving that was there. In his presence, for me, what he did for me was he gave me security instead of constantly being afraid. In his presence, for me, he gave me intimacy Instead of the feeling of constantly being alone. In his presence, he gave me a calling. Instead of the purposelessness that dominated my every thought. In his presence, he gave me all-surpassing connection with his very Holy Spirit. Instead of the constant powerlessness that I felt. In his presence. What he did for me was he gave me empowerment as a son instead of the helplessness that I was constantly in. You starting to get the idea? Well, then let's return to our text
0: and put some of this together. Back to Deuteronomy 7, 17. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can I drive them out? Well, you may say that, but then again, you may not. How can we ask how if you are remembering that the goodness of your father has always delivered you that you were powerless and that he's delivered you anyway, that you were never in a position where you were stronger than your enemy? How can you ask how Hmm.
1: remembering what he And he alone has done for you, will empower you to believe what he will do through you now that you're a secure son. We have to grow in our security. Let's look at verse 18 to continue. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. All right, every time we see you or your, I want you to say that with me as I read it. You saw with your, your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand, and outstretched arm with which the Lord, your, your God, brought you, you out. The Lord, your, your God, will do the same to all the peoples you
2: now fear. Come on, church. When you start to remember well, <laughs> Pastor, it's almost like the how gets turned into wow. You get to, you get to start seeing what God has done. When you remember well what the Lord has done for you in very personal ways. Very, very personal ways. You can celebrate what God has done in others, but there's something special when you remember in very personal ways what he's done for you. This is gonna cause your security to grow as a son. I got one amen on that. Hey, Hey, this is, yeah, y'all, you might be still asking how inside.
0: Maybe we need to just get that out of the way. Y'all seem fascinated with that homiletic, like you didn't know what to do with it. So everybody just do it. Your best. How? Okay, that's never gonna be a part of our lives again, because we know how.
2: When you know what the Lord has done. In very personal ways, when you remember, remember, you remember well, it's going to cause you to grow in security as a son. So that you can know what your good father will do to all of the peoples, all of the areas, all of the habits, all of the things that you fear. You already know what he's going to do because you remember well what he has done in you. Church, there's been a terrible
0: mistake. This has been made for centuries, and it has skewed the way that we view salvation. It's been stealing from us, so we need to address it. The day that you entered into salvation, well, it was amazing, but it was not the pinnacle of your existence. It was just the beginning. The things that follow salvation, the maturing of the believer, the securing as a son, Wow, we're going to end up even governing with Messiah on his throne as he is on his father's throne. These things surpass your initial deliverance. The truth is that that is overlooked by most. The best day of their Christian walk was the first day of their Christian walk, and it was over. The Bible actually speaks of Israel's future deliverance as being so amazing that no one will even remember their initial deliverance. Yeah. On a personal level, you need to make an adjustment. Your best days are yet to come. Amen. The transformation that lies in your future is greater than the transformation you've already experienced. Amen. Salvation is starting of the journey.
1: How much better will completing the journey be? Come on. So much better. Look, 1 Kings 20, 11, It reminds us that putting on armor is not the same as having completed the mission and rejoicing and taking it off.
2: Daniel 2, 35 reminds us that the rock that is Messiah entering the kingdoms of men is not as glorious as when salvation has filled the entire earth. Amen. Isaiah 9, 7 reminds us
1: that the beginning of his government is great, But it only increases and grows
2: from there. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8 just says it in the most plain, pashat, obvious of manners. Because it reminds us that the end of the process is greater than the beginning of the process. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reminds
1: us that being forgiven of sin is beautiful. But becoming the righteousness of
2: God is better. Come on, we could go on like this forever. But the thing is, is that you should never have a declining view of the Lord's working in your life. I think
0: you should say that again.
2: You should never have a declining view of the Lord's working in your life. You should have an ever-escalating view of what the Lord is doing Amen. inside of you and what he will continue Amen. to do.
0: Would y'all like to learn more about that? Yes. As good as everything has been that we've discussed up to this point, you're going to want to pick up with me in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 20. Are you all there? Yes. More over. More over. More. The Lord, your God, will send the hornet among them until even Beyonce singing that survivor song will hide from you and she will perish. (laughs) Do not be terrified by them. For the Lord, your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. The Lord, your God, will drive out those nations before you little by little. But... You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals would multiply around you. Verse 20 begins in Hebrew with the phrase, "vegam." Literally, it could be translated, and also, some of your Bible, where you at, Carlos? Where are you at? Yeah, Carlos' Bible probably does, but it's wrong. Nearly every translation moves away from that strictly literal, literal and also and translates it dynamically as moreover for a specific reason. The Hebrew indicates an escalation. Something is accumulating and it's escalating when we say "vegam" in this way. See, vegam used in this construction means more than just joining two ideas. In the verse, the first idea is the initial deliverance from Egypt. And the second idea is deliverance in Canaan. But what this sentence construction means, vegam literally is conveying the idea of if he delivered you initially... More so, how much more, yeah. moreover, yeah, on, will he over. deliver you in this case?
1: Yeah,
0: See, the Hebrews not just saying that, well, he saved you before and he'll do it again. It's indicating that there is an escalating salvation, an escalating deliverance. In fact, when you think about it, in Egypt they were delivered from one nation. That's pretty amazing. But in Canaan,
1: they'll be conquering seven. Somebody say, that's more over. That's more over. That's more over. That's more over. Come on, conquering seven is more over. So why don't we do this? Let's scroll back a few verses and look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Gergashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Seven nations larger and stronger than you. We have a comparison here. It's seven verses one located in Deuteronomy seven verse one. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, Uh, yeah, that was slick. That'll help me uh,
0: remember.
1: Oh, remember what? Moreover, that's what we're going to remember. They were, each I mean, Israel was released from Egypt,
2: but they would possess Canaan. Moreover, they were powerless servants the day they left Egypt, but they were sons of God the day they entered Canaan to become kings. Moreover, they built the monuments of Egypt before, but when they went
1: to Canaan, they would build the kingdom of God. Moreover, they were released from Egypt's leeks and onions, but in Canaan,
2: they would eat the best of the land. Moreover, they were transient nomads in the initial work, but they would have homes, walled cities, and (laughs) some vineyards of their own inside of Canaan. Moreover, Egypt was a giant military
0: power. But the seven Canaanite nations were possessed by
1: actual giants. Moreover, Moreover, they didn't even lift the itty bitty little finger to defeat the Egyptians, but they would become partners with God in the destruction of the seven Canaanite nations. Moreover,
2: by any honest estimation, the transformation after the initial deliverance is more over than the very first. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Now let's read verse 20 again.
2: Moreover,
0: yeah. the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Church, start to engage with this verse. Yeah. Yeah. Ask yourself, who's stirring up the enemy? Okay, no, no, no. Literally, I want to hear you say, who's stirring up up the the enemy? enemy? Then ask yourself, why are there survivors? Why Why are they survivors? survivors? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It's God who sends the hornet to stir up the enemies. And it's because he's helping you. Secondly, there are survivors because they're hiding from... You, they're hiding from you. God's
1: stirring them up because they're hidden to you. Uh, I want to focus on something now. I want to focus on the survivors for a second. Not, Not the Beyonce song. It's the actual Hebrew word for survivors. So let's take a look at this next slide. The Hebrew word is Hanisharim. Nailed it. Got him. Perfect. Hanisharim. Is about the things that were the leftovers. Not the good kind of leftovers that you grab out of the fridge for a midnight snack. Much like I do from time to time. I'm talking about those nasty, moldy, grossly rotten leftovers. That bag of taco meat that fell behind the crisper drawer and just turned deep, dark brown. That lettuce that's behind
0: the crisper that's been browning like a steak.
1: Oh, that's nasty. That reminds me. I was transformed in his presence. But what I did not know is that I had preserved some of my old ways. I'm a brand new creation. Like 2 Corinthians 5 says that I am. But there are some Romans 6 kind of remains in me. There are some leftover enemies, even though many were taken away in my initial transformation. So I would like to share with you my homework on this very subject. As we put up the slide. In his presence, he gave me an instant wholeness instead of predominant hollowness. The giant that is left over, and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of inadequacy for the next task. In his presence, he instantly gave me complete security instead of predominant feelings of being being all alone. The giant that is left over in my life and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of insecurity and prophetic discernment. In his presence, he gave me in an instant liberation instead of predominant impending judgment. The giant that is left over in me and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of fear over how to liberate others. In his presence, he gave me in an instant tangible power instead of predominant desperation. The giant that is left over and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of despair over weak families. In his presence... He gave me in an instant the ability to be face-to-face with God instead of predominant shameful hiding from Him. The giant that is left over inside of me, and I must partner with God to kill, is the feeling of anxiety over preaching. In His presence, He gave me in an instant a new nature instead of a predominant slavery to my own desires. The giant that is left over and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of anger when attacked. In his presence, he gave me in an instant a clean conscience instead of a predominant mind of chaos. The giant that is left over in me and I must partner with God to kill is the feeling of chaos over medical decisions. Now, I'm not going to do this with all of these it is your job to do your homework on your own time. But what I want to highlight something on the subject of being more over. Somebody say, moreover. 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 So let me ask you this. What is better? That in his presence that I felt secure and not alone? Or moreover, that I feel completely secure in prophetic discernment. See, I would rather have. The second one, the moreover. Let me ask you another question. What is better that in his presence, I felt tangible power over desperation or moreover that God gives me the power to see hope for the weak families in this room? Moreover. What's better for you? (laughs) (laughs) Moreover, I'm going to personally keep going but I'm not going to continue to verbalize the actual process for fear that you just might not be able to handle it. So we're going to look at moreover. Let's go back to verse 20.
0: Y'all there? Deuteronomy 7, 20. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the leftover survivors who hide from you have perished. The fact that there are survivors,
2: that's shocking. It's shocking enough. <laughs> but why are they there? Oh, pastor, I think I got this one. I think I know this one. We want you to take a look at another word that we found right here in the text. This Hebrew word is nistarim. The reason that pastor had a leftover giant about having insecurity about prophetic, prophetic insight was that It was a complete unknown to him that he would ever need to be in that position. What's been hiding there? See, these dirty, devilish leftovers were things that were hiding. Somebody say hiding. Hiding. They were unknown. And when you partner with God for transformation, they are easily dealt with. They are easily killed. What is more difficult are the ones that you've been ignoring since day one. You know what I'm talking about. Those things that you just want to close your eyes to, turn your head from, and hope that they just go away on their own. I got something that's even worse than that. Ignoring is bad. Having things that are hiding and unknown to you. That's, that's bad. That's producing these things that are hiding. Worse yet, the ones that you have been keeping secret. These are the survivors that we're talking about today. Yeah, it's right on your screen up there hidden things,
0: secret things, concealed things.
2: I want to show you what this looks like in my own life as I've been doing the homework that you guys will be doing this week. Take a look at this next slide. It's displayed on the screen. I got I to be honest with you as I'm looking at it, it's hard to fit all of these kind of emotions into single little small boxes so we can show it to you on a screen. But even though my homework is on the screen, I want you to focus and listen to what I'm about to say. His presence made obvious to me that I was a chosen son instead of the unending feelings of worthlessness. What was hiding from me, hiding, was the giant of worthlessness that I had to kill in order to have vision for LCM as an entire church. See, his presence made obvious to me that I was given shalom instead of the unending feelings of strife. What was hiding from me Was the giant of striving that I had to kill in order to have vision for your families. For each family in in this room. That can only come through a supernatural shalom. His presence made obvious to me that I was a secure son instead of the unending feelings of fear. What was unknown to me was the giant of fear that I had to kill in order to pastor each life. All the way until you are able to minister. Getting you to a place of maturity. His presence made obvious to me that I now had intimacy with the Father instead of the unending feelings of being alone. But what I would rather ignore Uh is, is the giant obstacle of knowing the purpose of sending my generations and my disciples to the Aswan region. one thing for me to have direction. What about these others? I'd rather ignore that if I'm honest with you. His presence made obvious to me that I have an all-surpassing connection with his spirit instead of the unending feelings of powerlessness. What I would rather keep secret is the giant feeling that I'm inadequate for the next step. No matter what the next step is, even if I don't currently know what that next step is. His presence made so obvious to me that I was given the empowerment of a son instead of the unending feelings of helplessness. What I all too often have kept secret is the fear that the supernatural will decline, that the supernatural might even die in this place on my watch as pastor
0: that'll never happen say it with me that will never happen what you just heard a man do is share with you things he could not have been transformed in on day one because he didn't know that he would ever need to be a lot like that message about the disciples in the garden of gethsemane they had no idea where they were weak journeying with jesus showed them areas they needed to be transformed. Are you beginning to feel what we're um, being moved by here? Yeah. See, saints, our initial birth into his presence and beginning of the salvation journey. Well, it involved him liberating us from the largest enemies we had ever faced up to that time. But now that we are his sons, the enemies are taller. Yeah, the tasks are bigger. And the salvation Well, that's greater too. Amen. Let's read Deuteronomy 7 for a final time. Is that all right? Good, because it's what we're going to do. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can I drive them out? See, at this point, Israel is many years into their sonship. And in this room, so are many of you. The transformation that you need may seem impossible. But it's not. On, Verse 18, but do not be afraid of them. Sakar, Zakar. Remember well. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. See, the same loving Father that delivered you initially, well, he will continue. To transform you saw with your own eyes, the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord, your God brought you out. The Lord, your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. I, this may sound so obvious, but you need to grab hold of it. Your testimony. It's yours. It was your experience. It was you that he did these things for. That ought to make verse 20 life-changing for you. Pick up in verse 20. Moreover. Moreover. More over, Moreover. More over, Moreover. The Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. See, moreover, in an escalating way, the Lord your God will stir up the enemies that have been hiding from you, unknown to you, ignored by you, even the ones kept in secret by you. Because in a cumulative, escalating way, He wants to destroy them and transform you into what He is. Amen. It's going to make you a secure son. Yes. Look, look, verse 21 just kind of says it. Do not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. Amen. From step one in Deuteronomy 4 to step two in Deuteronomy 5, all the way to step three in Deuteronomy 7. It's your God, the God who is among you personally, and he is a great and awesome God that ought to secure you as a son. Verse 22, the Lord, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little, itty bitty by itty bitty. You'll not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals would multiply around you. There's a profound truth here. In the initial deliverance, he did everything for you. Isn't that true? Any of you save yourself? In the initial deliverance, he did everything for you. Now that you are his son... He wants to partner with you in the process of destroying enemies and transforming you into what he is. You've moved from slave to son. And as a son, he's partnering with you. He does the whole thing little by little. Do you know why? Because he's a good father. And he's holding your itty bitty little hand, taking the next little step. This is how fathers mature their sons. That kind of maturity will turn your relationship to God into security. He brought you to the place where you now stand so that you can hold his hand, and he will do what he has
1: always been doing. But now you're doing it with him. Isn't it good to have a father who is securing us as his sons? Who's holding our hand and helping us through this process. Well, to help you further, we have a slide about remember secure sons in this slide. You see that in step one, we remember the day we stood in his presence as Deuteronomy four says. It was that day we received a status change and we were seated at the table in step two. We remember that we were a slave and that he brought you out, as Deuteronomy 5 declares. He delivered you and he has a plan for you. What was predominant in your life is now the rare exception. You now have a choice to continue to be transformed. In step three, we remember what the Lord did to Pharaoh and moreover, what he will do to those seven Leftover giants in your land. If he delivered us when we were slaves. Moreover, he will transform us now that we are his sons. One more time, pastor. If he delivered us when we were slaves. Moreover, he will transform us now that we are his sons. Church, you can be secure
2: sons in this very truth. Come on, this is a right word for us in this house. He is trying to build us as secure sons. How much security do you need? Because he's building it into this house that we rise up to be what he is. For our final, one of our final scriptures of the day. Oh,
0: it's near the end, but it will not be the last.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and verse 11. Somebody say, remember, when you get there. It says this. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Church, we want you to have great reward by understanding what the Lord is speaking to us. Look at verse 12. But who can discern their own errors? Errors, those things that are hidden. In your land, hidden remnants, hidden
0: leftovers, mm. hidden areas where we need transformation.
2: Forgive my hidden faults, those leftovers that were unknown to me that are needing transformation, these giants that must be defeated. Keep your servant also from willful sins, you know, those ones that you've been ignoring. The ones that you've been looking the other way, but those are still giants that are in the land. Those are the leftovers that must be completely destroyed. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Those secret things that have been there. Church, as we get ready to move shortly to the altar, we want you to understand. How are you going to move from leftover enemies to the more over that God has for you. As you're moving, you have to understand that these leftover things have been hidden from you. They've been unknown to you. They've been ignored by you. They've been kept in secret by you. See, you have to partner with God who will more over. Deal with every last leftover, every remnant, every remainder that you have inside of your entire life.
0: Where your relationship with the father becomes more over is not when you're knocked out on the table. And he's a surgeon operating on you without anything other than maybe a pinky's worth of consent. Where your relationship with your father grows is when you stop hiding, you stop ignoring, you stop keeping in secret. And you start to say, because of what you've already done for me, and I remember what you've done for me, I want to grab hold of your hand for the next step. Lord, you, you will empower me beyond this. Our last passage today is 2 Corinthians 3, 17. It is what's about to happen at this altar. It's what will happen for those that are actually partnering with the Spirit of God. Maybe before I describe that. Yeah, I'm supposed to keep this entirely positive. If it's occurred to you that you can't list what it was like in His presence, and you can't list what it felt like in slavery that you were delivered from. It might be because you haven't been. If you have to generally couch it in, well, you know, the Lord's always been good to me. Really? Name seven ways. Well, he's blessed me in my business. Any lost pig can say that. How specifically did his presence affect your life? How specifically did it free you? Can you list the things that he has not, not forgiven notice freed you from? Yeah. Can you honestly make an assessment of where you still need transformation? Because that's what a relationship looks like. And we live in a time of a perverse sales pitch, transactional whorish kind of Christianity but that's not what my relationship with him's like. That's not what these men's relationship with him is like. It's more like a good father who is leading me on a lifetime journey, and I can look and see the progress I've made and the progress I still must make. So you ought to be having some different reactions based on exactly where you stand. Not where somebody told you you stand. Not with a pre-printed prayer that didn't come out of your heart that you just said amen to. You ought to know where you stand. If you've been delivered from nothing, then you're not saved. If you can't name things you need yet to be delivered from, how can you not be stagnant, stillborn, and dying in your salvation? Let's read 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Have you found an area, something that was hidden to you previously, something that was unknown to you that the spirit has revealed because he wants to bring you into freedom? Have you figured out that there's an area of your life? You're like, no, no, no. Uh, Check out the assistant. Don't look here. I want the illusion that I don't need to be transformed in this issue because it's embarrassing that you would know that I need to be transformed here because if the Spirit's showing you that, He wants to bring you into freedom. Amen. you have a nasty secret? Like the kind of thing that when you walk into a group like this, the devil's whispering in your, if they knew. The spirit of the Lord is here because he wants to free you Amen. now the spirit now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and we who with unveiled faces by the way did these pastors unveil their faces today yes. and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed yes. are being transformed. Yeah. These men were saved, but moreover, yeah. they are being transformed yeah. into his likeness. And do you know what that means? Ever increasing glory. Yeah. Oh, it was glorious on the day you got saved, but it's supposed to be ever increasing glory. It's so sad some of my cessationist brothers don't believe in a second blessing with the Holy Ghost. You know what's sadder to me? How many charismatic brothers don't believe in ongoing transformation? Because anywhere the spirit of the Lord is, it's ongoing, ever-increasing glory. The more I'm in his presence of his holiness, the more I'm like, Lord, we can do this. If you empower me, I'll kill him. If you empower me, I'll hunt him down. If, If you empower me, Lord, I'll get back there to those leftovers and I'll scrape it out. And he wants to, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In just a second, we're going to stand our feet. And I want you to know something. Not because we built the stage or we're in a little weird box that people refer to as a church. You are the church. And his Spirit started this work. And His Spirit started the work that is inside of your life. And He who began that good work, He will bring it to completion. The Spirit of God is in this room. And He brings freedom. He wants to free you. It is for freedom that He sets you free. The only people that He doesn't free are the ones that don't know or admit they have slavery. You can be his son and still be going, how I can't. And he will free you right here, right now, at this altar. But you gotta cry out to him. You gotta grab his hand. You gotta say, Daddy, come on, stand to your feet. Lord, your spirit is freedom. Lord, fill us again with your spirit of freedom. Every area that has been hidden to us, every area that was unknown. Lord, even those wicked areas that we want to ignore and those secret areas we've told no one about. Lord, we're asking you now to take us by the hand. You are a great and an awesome
2: God your spirit now we must be transformed